I'm Christian Chiller. Welcome to my podcast, an enthusiastic ramble through whatever has taken my interest the past week or so. Expect technology, games, history, travel, geekery, and as always, much, much more. Welcome to Chinchilla Squeaks, the last one for the year uh, from me, Christian Chiller. As always, a little bit of a roundup, just a small roundup. This is the end of the year after all, and there's not a lot going on. A small roundup of a couple of links that took my interest over the past week or so, and then a little bit of a look back on the on the year for me, on the year generally. <laughs> I think I might avoid that. Um, avoid that for the most part because, uh, yeah. Well, we'll come to that later. <laughs> Let's start with a few links first. First up, an article from Liam Tung on ZDNet uh, about DuckDuckGo building its own desktop browser. And this was interesting to me because I already use DuckDuckGo um, as a search engine um, most of the time, probably about 98% of the time. And... Um, most of the alternative browsers to Chrome are Chromium-based. So Google Chrome is based on the open-source Chromium project, and many other browsers are too, pretty much aside from Safari, which is what I tend to use a lot of the time, mostly for performance and operating system integration, and Firefox. Uh, I keep wanting to like Firefox more than I do, but I can't go with it either. So... Um, then everything else, Brave, Edge, Vivaldi, Opera, they're all based on Chromium. And I've discussed many, many times on the show why this bothers me. <laughs> and it does a little bit. It does still bother me. Um, but that's by the by in this case. Uh, why would DuckDuckGo create their own browser and how is it going to be any different? And this is where things got my interest because it is going to be different. So as Liam says... Um, a quoting from um, quoting from the DuckDuckGo CEO, Gabriel Weinberg, he says it won't be based on Chromium, the open source project underpinning Google Chrome, Edge, Brave, Vivaldi, and about 30 other browsers. I've always been fascinated to know if that shows up in the statistics uh, <laughs> or if, uh, you know, if they all contribute to Google Chrome's uh, market share. But anyway... So he continues, instead of forking Chromium or anything else, we're building our desktop app around the OS-provided rendering engines, like on mobile. Uh, this is what Safari forces people to do on iOS. Allowing us to strip away a lot of the unnecessary cruft and clutter that's accumulated over the years in major browsers, explains Weinberg. Um, which sounds interesting, and I've not heard of anything else that does anything like this, apart from on iOS, where you really actually have no choice. Uh, the article continues, it's not clear what desktop OS provided rendering engine he's referring to, but it's not a trivial task to build a desktop browser without Chromium's Blink rendering engine. Just ask Microsoft, who attempted to do the, their own thing. And then Apple, meanwhile, uses WebKit for Safari, which is open source, but a few other people use it. Um, so yeah, if well, as a Mac user, um, I mean, WebKit is there and already in a browser. So... Um, if that is something they do, and they both kind of offer APIs for rendering web views, that is effectively what they're going to be using, and then adding some things on top. 
And this is where it gets interesting because, well, let's take macOS for an example because it's probably the easier one to 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 argue that um, is the point in difference that many people use because they can't be bothered installing something else or they don't care. They just want a browser. Um, so how will DuckDuckGo, it's a complex word to say, how will DuckDuckGo compete with Safari when it's there by default? It works perfectly fine. It's fairly privacy focused. I, I don't know what DuckDuckGo would add on top to make it even better, but it's fairly privacy focused. Um, so apart from brand recognition, what else will they add to that to make people like myself switch from Safari? Um, syncing to an Android version would be interesting. That's something I do miss um, by not using Google Chrome or other options, for example. I have absolutely no idea what that would be on Windows. Um, as far as I know, now Microsoft have basically abandoned uh, their web view, uh, well, their alternative to Chromium. I wonder what they would do, although they do have... Um, Microsoft does offer an API to... Uh, embed web views, but I don't exactly know what rendering engine it uses. And then you get to um, Android, which I think, again, for web views, uses Chrome. So, <laughs> so you're not really solving the problem there, but still other benefits. And then on iOS, well, it's WebKit again. So effectively, they're making a potentially better browser for macOS, which is, to be blunt, as much as I dislike it, a small market share. And then Windows, I'm not really sure what's there. Will they support Linux? What is the default web view on Linux? No idea. So it's a really interesting idea, but I'm I'm kind of dubious to see how well it is realized and how well it can work. That's my only concern. And uh, well, things remain to be seen there. But watch this space and I look forward to seeing what they might bring out in 2022 feel like this is sort of related, but I don't really know why. I think it's just uh, smaller companies that are well-known that have a different kind of business model, maybe. I don't know, something like that. This is an article from Billboard by Snee- Sneeve? by Steve Knopper, not Sneeve Knopter, that's not even pronounceable, uh, about Ableton. Uh, I actually know exactly where the Ableton offices are. They are um, not far from me in uh, um, Berlin. In fact, the photo here of... Um, Gerhard Behrles, I'm not sure how to pronounce that in the German German or English, to be honest with you. The photo they are showing, I recognize completely where that photo was taken and it's very close to that office. But um, it's interesting because Ableton is a piece of software that's used a lot. I am currently still trying to experiment with it. It's one of those things that when you're used to... Um, other options for recording Ableton can be confusing to begin with, but many people swear by it uh, when they get used to it. And how the company has refused so many offers of takeovers and financing because they're doing well enough. They keep going, they have enough kind of stature in the field that's important to them. Um, they're doing enough, thank you very much, they don't need any more help. And it's a kind of very European, very Germanic, uh, pragmatic way of doing business. Um, and I kind of like it. I kind of hope that they can keep going. Um, for example, without getting into too much detail, the kind of unique way they let people record is now sort of in Logic from Apple as well. That's a big competitor, and other applications are emerging, also smaller players that kind of uh, support similar paradigms. Um, 
And uh, the article also tracks how the product was created. It was one of these uh, many classic examples of uh, two music producers, one more technical than the other, needing a tool that didn't exist. They created their own thing. They turned it into a product. It's a kind of classic story. And, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting tale of how something like that gets produced, but then how you keep it going. And um, I think we need more stories or more more profiles of companies like this. I think 37 Signals with Basecamp is a similar one. You hear so much of these companies that take this huge funding um, and then the expectations of them are so large and it's almost always impossible to to keep going from there. And these companies that manage to just sort of do their own thing and, um, and uh, resist the temptation of... These approaches, I, I find it's refreshing. It's 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 good to see. It's good that a company that is pretty well known, a product that is pretty well known in certain spaces has, has managed to do that too. And finally, I'm going to recap an article from myself and then talk about some other things to do with me <laughs> to round up the show, round out the year. So first, I posted on uh, Medium and on um, my website. It's in the Geek Culture publication on Medium. Um, the review of Pixel 6. I have been playing with it for just over, no, just under a month actually. And I finally had the uh, the time um, with it and the time to write it, uh, a post about my feelings. And uh, using a Pixel 6 when you're not a heavy uh, Google user um, and what I thought about the phone and etc. etc. So if you have any interest in, in Pixels, Pixel 6s, Android phones generally, take a look. Um, Love to see your thoughts and comments on the post. And uh, if you've also uh, recently acquired a Pixel 6, then um, let me know if you agree, disagree, your experiences. I always like to hear those comments. And um, any comments you've always, always have for me or the show or any questions you want to ask, you can find my details at kristenschiller.com, including also links and details for my Discord server where we can hang out together and discuss things in a more private uh, Way that sounded a bit weird. Um, just uh, yeah, <laughs> chats, I suppose, is all I mean. Not uh, some kind of uh, cafe hangout that's getting a bit odd. I'll stop that now. Okay, so I'd like to wrap up the year a little bit. Um, I think, well, 2020 was the same, it wasn't really the year people wanted it to be. I think there was a lot of optimism at the beginning of 2021, um, which was somewhat realized at times and then not at other times and etc etc it's yeah it's not necessarily been what people wanted um but i'd like to recap what uh, what i did and um, my kind of plans moving forward so i think it's always useful so i'll start with kind of numbers um i honestly uh <laughs> don't have the inclination to separate my videos from my blog post this year because there was definitely um, a bit of overlap between them and it would involve me doing a lot of counting of each. But I produced around 170 to 180, possibly more if you include newsletters. This is where my counting is not completely accurate. Items of content. And there's also a few there that are not included. So around 180, let's say. Uh, this included uh, live streams, the videos I started doing, the Dexpose live streams, which then became hands-on on my YouTube channel, which has done pretty well, um, actually. Uh, it's not huge, but it's grown and I'm getting interactions, which is 
kind of what's most important to me. This also includes uh, The Weekly Squeak, my old podcast, which now became Chinchilla Squeaks and had a bit of a break uh, to, <laughs> for a period of time as well. Um, that includes a few episodes of the Write the Docs podcast. We didn't do so many. It included episodes of podcasts that were a bit of an experiment and then kind of resolved in the same year as well. This was um, my uh, Board Game Jerk podcast, which was a little bit of an experiment. And I think after five episodes, we wrapped that up. Also stories about people, which got also to about five episodes and then wrapped up. Um, Although I'm actually seeing the co-host on the weekend. So who knows? Maybe we'll resurrect it. Not sure yet. And then a lot of newsletters, um, blog posts for various people, uh, mostly for other people, to be honest with you. Um, I didn't do so many of my own sort of personal posts until later in the year, in all honesty. Uh, And then also a few wrap-ups of bits and pieces of technology that I was experimenting with and stuff like that. I, I think I feel pretty happy with that. What is that? That's an average of more than 10 a month that seems kind of crazy <laughs> i'm not sure if that's completely accurate now i look at it maybe there's some duplicates in there but that, that feels like a lot but um you can always go to my website and have a look at some of those and have a bit of a um a trip down memory lane um i also put a fair bit of work into my novel and a few game ideas they're all progressing still i released a few games uh, i released the interactive fiction piece of the europop vampire uh, I created a another role and write game with a co-designer uh, called Silicon Valley Mysteries and a card game on my own called One Day the World Ended. You can find details of all of those on my website. I edited manuals for a few games, some of which did very well on Kickstarter. So I'm pleased with that. Roleplay games, board, game, board games too. Uh, and actually a couple of them I finally got copies of, which is really nice to see as well. So um, if you're interested in talking more about that, let me know. I ran a lot of meetups and events as well. None of those are really listed on my website. They need to be, actually. <laughs> it's an area of my life I spend a lot of time on that I don't really account for anywhere. Um, what else? A lot of open source contributions. Yeah, I think you have to look at my GitHub page to find those. They're too hard to recount a lot of them. And then it kind of brings me to next year. I think, uh, moving forward to next year. So I wrote a, a post a week or so ago, two weeks ago, I honestly can't even remember, um, about uh, just a very kind of almost throwaway idea, but it's something I'd been mulling in my head. And it was brought to the fore when I went to see um, Circa, an Australian circus troupe, and just watching these people at kind of peak of their physical prowess and just being very, very amazed by it. And it made me write something around what does it take to excel at something. Uh, And I think that's kind of been a feeling of the year for me. I've sort of felt like I've spent a lot of the year just experimenting with things. And moving into next year, I kind of want to narrow some of those down and excel at some of them instead of being kind of average at lots of things and see how I can, yeah, how I can do things do do things better and that comes to i think this podcast will remain in the format it's in which is pretty fluid mostly just me recounting thoughts 
But for example, my hands-on videos and my solo adventure videos, and they're going to overlap a little bit moving forward. I'm going to do some hands-on with some gamer tools as well. I might think of a different name, but I haven't quite got there yet. Um, but basically, I'm going to be using Twitch, definitely, possibly Twitter, as kind of uh, almost the place where I just randomly um, do scratch recordings of uh, like the kind of how I've been doing the live stream so far, basically, um, of me experimenting with the raw footage for those videos. And then on YouTube and LinkedIn, I'm going to be producing... Uh, well, actually, LinkedIn, I need to check how that works. But definitely for YouTube, it's going to be the edited versions. So that is my plan moving forward. I will probably be doing less videos so I can focus more on uh, perfecting the ones I do make. So I have less kind of me fumbling around, which there has been a lot of. And at times, it's kind of embarrassing, to be honest with you. Uh, a little bit awkward for me, for the projects involved, things like that. So you can still watch me fumble around on Twitch. <laughs> And, and, and Twitter, but then on YouTube, where I'm getting most of my input and feedback, it's going to be a bit more polished. Um, so that's one thing I could be looking at. Also, the novel, I'm going to be um, doubling down on a few things and uh, more personal blogging as well. I think I, I kind of fell out the habit and realized that it doesn't take me that long to write those sorts of posts. Like uh, the three or four I've written in the past, well, in the past six weeks. So, it didn't take that much time once I just stopped thinking about it and just did it. Um, so that's some of the things you'd be doing as well. And also uh, a couple of more focused themed videos. I'm going to be working on some course type content for people who are interested. Um, and a, a couple of videos where I look less at one tool and kind of practices and, and, and collections of tools and things like that too. I haven't completely decided how I'm going to distribute those yet, but that's the plan. So all of that <laughs> said, um, it's been an interesting year. It's not been a bad year. It's not been the most accomplished year I would have. Well, no, that's not fair. I think it's more that it's not been the year I would have wanted it to be. But I think that's the same for a lot of people. So I can't really talk too much about that. If you have enjoyed anything I've produced or done this year, then please, please, please get in touch. You can find ways to support me and what I do on christianchiller.com. Sign up for a newsletter, say hello, leave a comment, rate, review, share. All those things are very, very welcome. And I will be back at some point in the new year with a new show, possibly with some interviews, but always with links and interesting discussions. And it's been for the period of time I did produce these shows, it's been great sharing 2021 with you. And I don't know, adios, good riddance, abiento, see you later, 2021, however you want to treat it. And I will see you in just over a week in 2022. This has been Christian Schiller and Happy New Year. I hope you enjoyed the show. Find out more about me at christianchiller.com where you can find show notes, sign up for my newsletter, and find all of my writing, games, work, and video links. There's also details on how to get in touch with me. And if you want to get even closer to what I do, join my Discord server for behind-the-scenes discussions and helping me produce my shows and work. <laughs>